Welcome back, gentlemen, to Death Watch's Call of Cthulhu campaign, Descent into Darkness Season 2. I am Travis. I will be your keeper today. And last we left off, Monroe and Johan had just met each other at Johan's house after a day apart or so. And Whitmire and Dr. Andrews were interviewing young Charlie Murphy. But before we get back into that, let's have our players... Tell us a bit about their character and what they're thinking right at this moment in the story. Starting with you, Chris. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm playing Johan Mueller, a retired history professor, and I'm close to the edge. <laughs> I am Brandon, playing Dr. Wallace Andrews, currently interviewing Charlie at the mental institution, and currently I am thinking that we need to get him to sign these papers asking for counsel. I'm Justin. I'm playing Lance Monroe. I'm currently very worried about Johan Muller's mental state. I'm John. I'm playing James Whitmire, who's also interviewing young Charlie Murphy. And I don't really care if he signs these papers, but seems like we might be able to get a little more information out of him. So our story today will begin at Roxbury Sanitarium, where you... Uh, Dr. Andrews and Mr. Whitmire are in the day room interviewing Charlie Murphy and Lewis Powell, Dr. Lewis Powell walks in at that moment after he had given you some brief private time together but that was at the end of a fast talk role by Mr. Whitmire and now he's not so sure that you have the credentials know what you're talking about so he comes back in the room with a, a somewhat stern look on his face for you Mr. Whitmire but he says nothing else he does inquire, however, if his absence aided in having Charlie Murphy open up at all. So, I I do wanna I wanna tell him no. Um, is there like a <laughs> bluff? I don't think I have that. <laughs> well, you could use any of the social. You could intimidate him. Be like, or you could use your charm or fast talk. But you actually don't even really need to do that because really all that he's done is put one of those insect-like hairs on the table and write one word into the back of Mr. Dooley's journal with the great gravy that came with his meal, and that word was Latakia. All right. Yeah, I was all, all sigh. You know, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to have as much success as you have had. Yes, I didn't think he would, and I'm afraid from this point it will only get more difficult to communicate with him as part of the examination requires electroshock therapy, which I am not in favor of. I think it has the opposite effect of what other doc- 
doctors think it has. Can you not put a stop to it? Unfortunately, it's mandated, unless you happen to be good friends with a judge who could put a stay on it. Um, I might. Can I roll a luck skill to see if I've ever had dealings with a judge? Well, you've had dealings with judges, just not in a good way. <laughs> that came out in my favor? <laughs> uh, we won't do luck. Instead, we will do... You know, library use? We'll do... You have gotten out of a few legal entanglements on the back of your ability to smooth talk, fast talk people. So we're going to do that, but we're going to do it at penalty, given the, uh, the nature of your career. But... That penalty is canceled out by your bonus die afforded you by being a member of the Humanic Order of the Silver Twilight. So just roll a normal fast talk success. Oh, nice. Extreme success. Yeah. So you have had occasion to deliver bootleg liquor to someone you know to be a judge. Let me get you his name. Michael Thomas. <laughs> judge Michael Thomas. <laughs> uh, Hugh Holland. The Honorable Hugh Holland. How's that for alliteration? There you go. Let's hold on. I got to update my journal with this information. Now, Dr. Andrews, mm -hmm. you had failed your persuade role, the hard persuade role needed to get Charlie to open up, and uh, we had left off with some uncertainty as to whether or not you were going to push it. Yes. Or spend luck, or yeah, so maybe even... Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so the the whole part of like showing him... The diary and getting a reaction out of him was like part of the uh, process of pushing the persuade. But I did some more reading and probably it can't work that way because what I'm actually going to try to get him to do now is to sign these papers, not not explain what happened, just to sign the paper. So I don't know if that needs a different one or if we can roll it into the other or what what we need to do. Because right, like right now, the important thing is getting him to sign these papers so that you can have competent counsel, and then we can have that lawyer working for us to maybe put a stop to the electroshock, maybe even get him moved out of this place. You never know. Yeah, you can stick with Persuade because the way you guys have run this is you've been giving him lots of time without pushing him. So I'd say you're still good to stick with Persuade okay. as it needs time to work. However... If you want to change the skill, I can think of a couple of things. If you're well-versed in law, then rolling your law skill, you know, you could explain why sticking with his public defender could be a bad idea and he needs good representation. Or if you have something else in that idea, you could switch to a different one like Intimidate, where you could put the fear of what will happen to him as the uh, prod to get him to sign. No, Persuade's by far my best option. What other good skills do you have? We might be able to brainstorm something. Um, well, beyond beyond that, then we're just talking about like medicine, first aid. Yeah, I don't see an angle with medicine. English. Or first aid. Maybe I can just use lots of big words and impress him. No, I think, let's see, credit rating, I can pay him. Is he interested in money? Uh, you didn't, you're not sure. Rifle slash shotgun. Well, you could hold a gun on him and force him to sign. No, I, th I think Persuade's the best option I got. What's your psychology at? Like five or something. 20. Uh -huh. 22. Okay, so before we get that pushed roll, an additional detail I wanted to give you, Mr. Whitmire, something that you're sort of used to. 
is when Dr. Lewis Powell came in, he came in with two orderlies as a response to your, your fast talk sort of unraveling a bit. Um, and he's starting to make a little bit of small talk and, he, and he's like, so I noticed Dr. Andrews introduced you as Mr. Whitmire, so you're not a doctor, I presume. Is that correct? Uh, that, that's correct. My field lies in, uh, field of study lies in other, another direction. As, uh, mainly have, has to do with, uh, and I'll try to fast talk this again if I can, like uh, just body language, right? Because I want to see if, if, uh, if, um, if he's acting, basically, right? Like uh, Charlie Murphy. Um, sorry, I, I kind of missed what you were going for there. You, you're fast talking Charlie Murphy to see if he's acting? No. The, I, my, my thing here is I'm not a doctor. I'm just uh, really good at judging people and uh, want, and I'm here to assess Charlie Murphy's uh, body language while he's, while uh, the doctor's actually talking Oh, I talking see. Um, were you a policeman or something mm-hmm. like that? I've had extensive dealing <laughs> with the law. And you don't even need a fast talk role for that. That's the God's honest truth. Nope. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can, with another fast talk, you can try to put him off a little bit. Okay. Okay, right. he seems uh, satisfied there. Your your omission of how your dealings with the police have actually gone in the past gives it that little bit of truth to it because you said something true and you, 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 know, you let the unsaid part remain unsaid. All right. Dr. Andrews, time for your pushed persuade roll. Well done. Good job. So with that regular success, you're able to slide the papers onto the table. And, uh, you know, very carefully in the way you have done so far, you begin to describe what these are and why it will be in his benefit. And uh, he thinks about it for a time. Meanwhile, uh, Mr. Whitmire, Dr. Lewis Powell, uh, pulls out. It looks like the back page for one of these uh, these intellect assessment tests. And he asks you if this diagram that Charlie Murphy drew on the back of it means anything. Uh, let me share it with you. Okay. All right. You see that? Yeah. So he drew this on the back of one of his tests. He, he's done it on multiple ones. And I, for the life of me, I don't know what this means. Does this mean anything to you? Can I make an education or what other skill? So for this, you would need science physics, although with a critical education role, as this is sort of the cutting edge of science, you might be able to have picked up something. Yeah, so that's uh, Greek to you. uh, Yeah, I'll stare at it for a while and like, you know, stroke my chin and shake my head and sorry, Dr. Lewis, this just doesn't bring anything to mind. Okay, so back over to the table where Dr. Andrews is sat before Charlie Murphy. He, after a good five minutes of thought, picks up the pen and scrawls his name in the spot where he's supposed to sign. Excellent. Thank you, Charlie. So I, I would like to see if I'd be able to get like a, a copy of this sketch as well. Sorry to interrupt, Brandon. Yeah, he, can, he, he says, well, you can keep this page. We've already... Uh, graded the assessment, so I don't see any harm in it. Thank you. Uh, go ahead, Brandon. Um, yeah, so I'll stand up and I'll present that to the doctor, Dr. Carroll. As you see, he's 
front of these witnesses signed a request for um, professional counsel. So I will need if like a telephone or somewhere I can send a message. Yeah, we you can send off a fax. We also have a telephone. Yeah, so I want to see if I can go call that lawyer. Um, okay. And let him know that we've got the paper signed. So. Yeah, so you remember uh, the lawyer, James Clark, yeah. said... He worked, he was a partner at Antonello and Clark, and you can search that up in a directory. Or I suppose in these days, you just dial the operator and they connect you. Right. He's number five, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> they connect you to Antonello and Clark, where a woman picks up the receiving end of the line there. Antonello and Clark, how can we help you today? Yes, I need to speak with Mr. Clark, please. Uh, Mr. Clark is out of the office uh, on his lunch, and I take a message. Uh, yes, this is uh, Dr. Andrews. Um, he knows who I am, and I'd like you to leave a message telling him that we were successful in getting Charlie Murphy to sign the request for counsel out at the Roxbury Sanitarium. All right, so there's a silence while she jots down that information, and she assures you she will get it to him when he's next in the office. Excellent. Should I fax you these forms right now can i should i do that i always use facts because i don't know what my brain is doing trying to go into the future you can't send uh a form like that you you could send a telegram okay well i'll just directly keep to it on me and we'll bring it you get a i'm sure they have uh that's true runner you could hire a, a courier like delivery services although not from roxbury sanitarium yeah, it's all right just as long as we shouldn't yeah. trust them anyways can't trust uh, so after your call is made, Dr. Powell um, extends his hands upon your expected departure. And uh, it was nice to meet you, Dr. Andrews. Uh, you as well, Mr. Whitmire. I hope that your lawyer works fast for Charlie Murphy's sake. And I wanted to extend my ability to act as an expert with witness should your lawyer need it in Charlie Murphy's defense. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you, sir. I will mention Excellent. It. Thank you for all the help all right. you've given us today. Uh, we, might have, we might have saved this young man's life. I'll, it's too early to say. Well, I certainly hope so. I'll extend my hand for Dr. Lewis. He shakes shake. it. Uh, I mean, you, you can still see the suspicion around his eyes in regards to you, but you feel like that's 90% of people you interact with lately. <laughs> I'll I'm gonna I want to be on the um (laughs) never mind I'll uh I'll nod my head in an appreciative manner and rip the tentacle (laughs) out of his arm Uh. I felt it I felt it when he touched my hand (laughs) this is the greatest place ever to just lose your crap all right so back in Whitmire's vehicle you guys head back to Boston I just wanted to remind Dr. Andrews that Detective Nichols was going to have some mug shots for you at the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight, mm-hmm. as arranged during the dinner with him the day before. And were you planning to share that diagram with Dr. Andrews and get his thoughts, Mr. Whitmire? He already stuffed it down his pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. My phone started going off. The uh, diagram that uh, you got from Dr. Powell. Ah, yes. So I, I do want to share that with uh, Dr. Andrews. I'll ask him, like, have you ever seen anything like this? Or do you know somebody 
in uh, one of the universities who might be able to tell us what it is? Well, this is basically a representation of a black hole uh, on on one side and a, a wormhole in the center, which uh, spits you out the other side into an alternate dimension. It's pretty simple stuff. I'll sh- shake my head like I understand what he's talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I've never heard of no. this before. <laughs> Do I recognize it? So, uh, is he making one? So, it's the same thing. You need science, physics, or uh, critical education success. Although, uh, since you're in the right ballpark, I will give you a bonus die on your education role, where you're just spitballing there. <laughs> 54 versus 90, not quite there. But both of you... I mean, just the way it looks, you know, this is like mathy. So taking it to somebody with that kind of knowledge would be uh, the right step. Yeah. I, uh, but we'll pause. Sorry, go ahead, Brandon. No, I was just going to say to Whitmire that I might be able to get someone at my friend's university to look at this because we've already got my friend looking into that thing that you found in Charlie's room. Okay. Yeah. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll hand him the sheet, or I guess he's already got it, so I'll shake my head, or nod my head. All right, so let's pause with you two and jump over to Professor Mueller, Mr. Monroe, as I believe they are still standing, one in the mudroom, one on the, the porch, sort of sizing each other up. Is that where we left off last time? I thought he had been invited in. Yeah, I was in. All right, but, so you but are. But just barely walked through the door. And oh. uh, as they're looking at each other. <laughs> Yeah, so we had just finished sizing each other up, and he was trying to hide his crazy and not doing a good job, and I was trying to determine what's wrong with him and not doing a good job. Oh, please, uh, Hal Monroe, come. Ah, is there some things that I can get you? How goes the uh, investigation? Well, the investigation, it seems to be taking a good path. The good, good doctor has gone to the sanitarium to speak with the young man, and with any luck, he's getting some good information there. Um, but I had been headed towards Miskatonic University when I had gotten your, your, uh, your, um, transmission and became concerned as to your whereabouts. So I went to the location that you had sent me the telegram from and, well, tracked you back down to here. It seems oh. like you've been on quite the, uh, the adventure. That is not good. If you can find me this quickly, then the police will probably be soon here. Well, part of it is that I I was looking specifically for you. Nobody along the way seemed to know who had, um, well, passed through and what they were doing. Hmm. Well, it doesn't matter, Herr Monroe. If the police do not soon get here, then, unfortunately, uh, the disembodied soul of Walter Corbett may possess me. (laughs) If madness doesn't take me first, of course. (laughs) And why would you suspect that that uh, Walter Corbett would possess you? Uh, well, it appears that in one of my fugues, I uh, requested his dagger that he uh, had with him. Uh, and just before you knocked, I believe I felt the unmistakable attempt of possession of my of my body. And you resisted it? Of course, <laughs> as one will. Ah. Mr. Whitmire did not have quite the same luck against Oren. Uh, I, I believe that you're going to need to sit down for this next part because there was an event that happened last night that I must fill you in on. Very well. Uh, 
move some books, have a seat, uh, smoke a smoke smoke a pipe with me, if you will. Ah, thank you, thank you very much. I I do yeah, appreciate I'll, that. Uh, sit down in my chair, and I'll bust out one of my pipes and select and or have Monroe select one from my pipe stand and start moving some tobacco out. Load up a bowl. So. There was a lot that had happened yesterday, so I'll, I'll I'll fill him in on us pulling in Mr. Call, um, the fact that we had found a lawyer uh, to represent the young man, um, the other police officer that was trying to dissuade us, the <laughs> let's see what else happened, uh, the event at the the uh, detective's house, um, followed by everything that happened at the Chapel of Contemplation. Mm. Hmm, this appears that you have been rather busy. Yes, yes, almost as busy as you yourself have. Why, what have you heard? Well, I met a young man whose truck you apparently stole. I have a uh, recollection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then I, I followed a, a path of destruction where people claimed that a truck fitting the description that you were driving had broken fences... Uh, run over dogs, crashed into buildings. Oh, Wait, there wasn't a building. Like crashed into a telephone pole. Um, yes, uh, and uh, and at the place you were staying last, uh, I, I paid for the damages that you had done to the room before you had fled. And what were those? Well, it looked like you had been gnawing on things in the room. Uh, that doesn't sound like me. I, I rarely gnaw on objects. Yes, uh, well... The, the woman that ran the, um, oh, it's not a hostel. What is it? The, the room and board. Uh, did she have a full head of hair? Any bandages? As far as I could tell, everyone that you had uh, run across during your, your uh, endeavors seemed pale and healthy. No one seemed mm-hmm. to be attacked. Well, that's good. Uh, well, other than the dog. Did I attack a dog? Uh, I didn't get out to investigate what had happened to the dog, but there was a dead dog along your path that uh, looked like it had been hit by a car. That's something that is struck by a car. That is not an attack. No, that that also could have been. Well, whatever. Uh, I I had not found anyone that you had physically injured, though the young man whose truck had been stolen was... uh, when I think back on it, rather, rather distraught. Anyway, I believe that, uh, why but I... if you had the dagger in your possession, then that could explain a lot of what had happened. Because just as Oren Bietti had, uh, controlled James Whitmire, Walter Corbett may have had you under his control. No, unfortunately, this all happened before the dagger was oh. in my possession. Hmm. I had an encounter with an old friend and, uh, he is quite the sight to behold. An and, old uh, friend, huh? Yes, uh, but also the memory of of what that man, that lisping man, uh, did. Because I encountered him in the stacks shortly after you left. He left a, a, a toad statue, statuette, whatever it would be called, with me. Yes, another, anyway, another one of those. He... Uh, he pointed me in the direction of a book, and the book had had knowledge in it that was harmful to me. Uh, but I had forgotten about it, thankfully, until the boarding house. 
when it all came crashing back shortly after I had awoken, what was that, like on the night of the 14th, I believe? I don't know. I do not even know what day it currently is. <laughs> There's a knock uh, at the I, door. I'll put my hand under my uh, jacket reflexively. If you'd, if you'd like, I can answer the door. Uh, no, no, Herr Murder. A guest should not be imposed upon. I'll slowly stand up and uh, go over to the door. <laughs> and as I do, I'll draw my gun and put it on the door and look through the peephole. <laughs> All right, so you see a policeman standing at the step. I'll quietly lower the... <laughs> uh, I'll turn around to uh, Monroe <laughs> with the gun out, and I'll be like, it is the police. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Quick, <laughs> catch. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. Uh, I'll yeah. put the gun away and I'll open the door. It's a one hundred percent James Whitmire approved move. <laughs> Good afternoon, sir. Uh, my name's Officer Kelly. We're just out canvassing the neighborhood. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard, but there was an attack at Miskatonic Library earlier this morning, and we're looking for a an old, possibly a vagrant. Uh, immigrant, some speaking a different language is the description we had. And I'd just like to ask you a few questions if that's okay. Of course, you can ask away, uh, Herr Kelly. Uh, may I come in? Uh, yes, you may. Uh, be careful. There are books everywhere and they are all equally valuable to me. <laughs> all right. So he steps through the door frame there, removing his uh, policeman's helmet as he does so. And he takes a quick you know, look around the mudroom and, and as you lead him into your Dad, main area. <laughs> uh, make a psychology roll for me. Actually, both of you can do that. Okay. Uh, he removed his helmet. That's two in the back of the head territory. Remember that, Dr. Mueller. Or nice Professor Mueller. Roll there. Thank you. All right, Lance, uh, given what you know or have pieced together of Johan's, you know, last... 24 hours or so, you can't help but feel a little bit guilt, uh, guilt by association. So you think that this policeman is, is being obviously suspicious about you guys in particular. Uh, Johan Mueller, you know better. You know that this is just how the brain works sometimes. Mm. This, this officer is uh, throwing out a general net, as far as you can tell, and you are just one of the many stops along this row. Mm-hmm. So... You guys can use that as role-playing tips going forward. However, Mr. Mueller, you do have that underlying insanity, so there's always a, a you know, a darkly glistening line of thoughts in the back of your head that are trying to press forward with uh, terrible ideas. But there you are. So, yeah, you've let him in. He's taken his hat off. He's looked around the room. Oh, and Officer like, Kelly, uh, allow me to introduce a friend and a colleague, uh, Herr Monroe. Uh, he'll yeah. stand up and, <clears throat> you know, shake his hand. And what time is it? Is it late morning? Uh, no, it's it's pushing afternoon. into late afternoon. Uh, we were just about to go get some uh, dinner at a local greasy spoon. I have quite taken to uh, as of late. So ah. if we could make this quick. Absolutely. Sorry to bother you. Uh, I just have a few questions. I'm just wondering if you, if the both of you have been here all day. 
Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, for the most part, <laughs> I believe I uh, got in early this morning from, um, where was I? I was, was it north of here? North, northeast? Yeah. Just choose a different <laughs> state. It probably okay. looks better. <laughs> so I just uh, got back in uh, here this morning. So, yes. And I'll say, yes, yes, I've been, uh, I actually just arrived myself. I traveled up from Boston, left this morning, and got in just a little bit ago. Okay. Well, in the time you gentlemen have been here, have you seen somebody, you know, an old vagrant? On the streets, I, I know that's a, a difficult question to ask in this neighborhood, as there are many immigrants. But the way this man's been described, his clothes were torn, and and uh, he was not in a good state. I think it might have stood it? out to you. Was this a Polish strong or uh, a Polish community mainly? Polish uh, slash Italian, yeah. Uh, Different years have uh, one one group has the edge over the other in population, but it bounces yeah. back and forth. Oh. Well, well, my good officer, you, these days, after, you know, the effects of the the Great War, you know, there are vagrants and people that are down on their luck all over the place. This this neighborhood being one of, of uh, um, immigrants as well means that when the two cross, they, you know, there are perhaps dozens of people that meet that description in this neighborhood. But as I said, I had just arrived today so i can't speak too much other than the few that i've seen you know in alleyways and wandering down the road oh my friend says that he cannot speak too much but you have not known him that long (laughs) (laughs) to know that he is lying (laughs) but i have to agree with him in this case officer there are so many especially amongst the italians (laughs) and the polish (laughs) vagrants with ripped clothing who are probably drunk well, yeah, we're just, you know, crossing all the T's and dotting the I's. Uh, uh, sorry to trouble you, but uh, before he departs, I'll just get your best social skill role uh, to determine. All I'm looking for is the opposite of a fur. As long as you don't roll a fumble, you'll be good. Ooh, let's see. Social skill. Does that include credit? <laughs> so social skills are charm, persuade, intimidate, or fast talk. Yeah, here we go. Okay. Well, thank you for your time, gentlemen, and uh, enjoy your dinner. Of course, of course. Uh, Godspeed to you, officer. Thank you, officer. And, and might I ask, is it safe for us to be out and about? Uh, I think so. Um, I'll give Monroe a side eye <laughs> when the cop ain't looking at me. <laughs> the man uh, attacked a woman, so... I. He's unlikely to face down two, and then he kind of takes in your clothes, <laughs> Mr. Monroe, and your age, Mr. Mueller. <laughs> Never mind. Well, perhaps uh, you shouldn't be out after dark just to be safe. Uh, thank you. Thank you, my good man. And good luck on your investigation. Farewell. Yes, of course. I hope you catch the scoundrel, and I'll... Uh, kind of give him a wave and close the door. Okay. Yeah, and back in the living room, you can see him cross the street out of uh, Mueller's window there, and he goes on to another of Mueller's neighbors and goes through the same rigmarole. You, uh, from your perspective, though, Mr. Monroe, because of your psychology role earlier, 
where you think he was very suspicious of you that uh, they're paying like like he's it looks for a second almost like he asks specific questions and points over to uh, Johann Mueller's house. Of course, you're not certain. You don't see anything like that, Mr. Mueller. Mr. Mueller, I believe that just to allay some suspicions, then we really should find some dinner. And what exactly are those suspicions, Herr Monroe? Well, I'll give the them police a really, officers <laughs> like thousand yards stare. <laughs> just the fact that the police are in the neighborhood, and you mentioned that oh. we would be leaving for dinner soon, and just to you know follow through with that statement, I believe oh. that we should go find some dinner and. Those suspicions. No, he is not suspicious of me, uh, though he should be. Yes, I'm concerned about what, what may have happened, and I had planned on going up to the Miskatonic University anyway, and perhaps I can find out exactly what had happened, though <laughs> I would suggest that you would need to stay here. Of course. I I was already banned from that, oh, from that poor, sorry excuse of a library. And they thought that they could keep me out of there, Herr Monroe. But, but, it is okay. <laughs> Did you, do you pull another strand of the uh, librarian's hair out of your mouth? <laughs> what do you think I've been flossing that? with this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, be that as it may, uh, I, I do believe that we, we should find, you should show me this dagger and we should find some way to, to destroy it. If, if Walter Corbett's spirit truly is trying to, control you and i believe that that may be the only way that we can prevent it from happening why would i destroy the dagger well as oren bietti had mentioned uh walter corbett's spirit resides in there and as long as his spirit Uh, resides in there then he will try to control you and while you've had some luck with it so far uh i wouldn't count on that continuing and from everything that i've read about walter corbett in journals and case notes he is not a man that you would want to be in control of your body Walter Corbett is a vast well of knowledge Herr Monroe uh, he has very... escaped death into some sort of unlife yes at the very least we should attempt to to uh, exercise this knowledge from him for ourselves and then we can destroy the Zaga I, I don't know if the risk is worth the uh, worth the gain in this matter well, he may have a, a vast well of knowledge. It does he us is, no good if you lose yourself. He is the least risky path to this because he has already unlocked the secrets that drive most men mad, Herr Monroe. Yes, uh, and it drove him mad in return. Yes, but we're not mad yet. And he could teach us without us going mad. Then perhaps we can last long enough to not have to worry about such such trivial matters of sanity and uh, morality. Well, from the two that I've seen and read about so far that have undergone the ritual that gave them their extended life, it does not seem to be a life that is worth living. And, and, and what happens after Herr Monroe? After? After you are done with this meager existence. Where do you go? After You've seen Well, I... Do you have any idea what is out there? There is no smiling face of God and no warm light of heaven. Yes, yes, I've seen some of the places that a a spirit may go and the things that are out in the void. To go there. Better to remain in a husk. 
hollowed out except for your meager ember of life. Uh, better to be destroyed entirely, I would say. But is that possible? Uh, the way that Orin Vietti had mentioned it, it seemed as if destruction of his watch would have freed him to be destroyed. Freed him from his anchor in the corporeal? Yes. That doesn't say nothing about what happens to his spirit. Well, you may wish to attempt to cheat death and live in a half-life as Corbett did, but I, for one, would rather rather die and face whatever comes next. Ah, nice is that it. There is no persuading you. Well, what if what comes next is father? I've already faced him. And unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know that, so I can't, uh, <laughs> can't use that one against him. Ah. A telegram boy shows yeah. up right now <laughs> with that. <laughs> All right, before yeah. we switch back to Dr. Andrews and Mr. Whitmire, let's see how this philosophical debate uh, ends up, who the victor is, as we've established no. these jousting matches, intellectual jousting matches that the two of you get in. Let's see, what are some good skills for that? We could go, uh, well, we could go with the hard stats of education or intellect, or we could go with, um, what is it, like a cult? Okay. Yeah, I like that. So um, we'll do a combined skill roll. You can pick either intelligence, education, or a cult, whatever your best odds are, and face off. Man. Mm-hmm. I think that's got to be education. Yeah. You ready? Yep. All right. Here we go. Ah. <laughs> both, both regular successes. No, no. <laughs> both and regular you- successes. And uh, you're tied up as far as the skill goes. So <laughs> you guys come to a stalemate, and I, I suppose you're agreeing to go off and get dinner somewhere yes. next. It's yeah, like we'll... walking to a brick wall with you, Monroe. Let's set the door aside and just go have our dinner. Perhaps the last one, and you can regale me with some of your findings in deeper, <laughs> uh, deeper conversation. Very well. Yes, we can. We can discuss things and. And perhaps discuss the dream that we shared last night. Mm. Yes, we can discuss that. Which, yeah, I don't think we had mentioned how weird it was that we both shared a dream. The miles distant (laughs) in Mr. Whitmire's car, uh, you and Dr. Andrews are on the road back to Boston. You can see the city now. You're almost there. I suppose you guys might want a moment to figure out where your investigations are going to take you for the rest of the day. Well, um, I'm waiting for some mugshots to be sent to me back at the um, mansion, whatever it's called, the lodge. And uh, maybe you want to take a look at those with me and see if you recognize any of them or know anybody who might recognize them. Specifically, I'm talking about the two men that I told you accosted me on the trolley and told me to keep my nose out of this okay um well if we're gonna go there uh let's do a once around the block make sure we don't see any signs of that uh yeah good logan point. terry but if he Can't is walk. there it might be time to start considering permanently removing him taking him out that was like a test thinking, i'm not Dr. serious Andrews. <laughs> oh I'll I'll start tucking the forty five back into my belt. <laughs> I was gonna give you this gun belong to is a good friend of mine in Peru. That he has against you, this Logan Terry? Um well 
I know that he's working for uh, another criminal. Um, I can't remember what his first name was, but something Malone. Yeah, Patrick Malone was the um, the guy. Patrick Malone. You worked for when you were in Boston before you took off to Peru. Okay. Yeah, as uh, they were trying to frame me. At least I imagine that's what it was, as they wanted me to hold on to a gun and also uh, go and, um, I think it was just uh, scare somebody, so if Patrick I remember Malone correctly. Patrick Malone is a, a gangster? Yes. As, uh, I don't know if he has any dealings with uh, Francis Walsh or not, but I would imagine he probably does. Well, I'm curious to see, once we look at these mugshots, if we find somebody that, that works for somebody else that works for Patrick Malone. Because these two gentlemen didn't seem like they would be the type to be leading an organization, if you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah, I don't have any problem. Um, do we want to run this uh, interdimensional travel through wormholes idea past uh, someone else at a college? I mean, we could probably get a runner while well, we're at the the lodge we have my friend looking with the uh hadron collider telescope at that insect hair thing <laughs> um <laughs> what was it uh <laughs> what the hell are you was, talking um, about electromagnetism <laughs> saddle what was it that's the new telescope now it was, uh, just leave it microscope electron microscope <laughs> <laughs> couldn't remember exactly what but when we when we go speak to him to see what he's found then we can probably find someone there that could look into this equation for us yeah you're uh, okay the Sounds like your teacher friend said he needed a few days to to try to figure out what the composition of it is of the hair. Um, And circling the lodge hall, you don't see um, like a police vehicle out there or any vehicle you've seen associated with Logan Terry at this time. Okay, so it looks safe. Sure does. Let's let's do this, and I'll hand him that forty-five. I don't need that. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Appreciate wrong, it. wrong building. Uh, Sorry. Give me a luck roll, Mister Whitmire. Oh no. Okay. So yeah, as you guys enter into the foyer, there, um, one of the servants comes up to you, Doctor Andrews, with a tray and an envelope on it. Message for you, sir. Oh, thank you very much. I'll tip him a quarter. Okay. He accepts it humbly and disappears out of sight. Opening the envelope, you have the two mug shots in it that have already been on your guys' uh, link chart for a while, but I'll give them to you individually. So yeah, with these is a message um, that, yeah, these are this is Quinn Doyle and Sweeney Byrne. They're both associates of Francis Walsh, and they have a pretty long rap sheet. Um, uh, also, the last time they were arrested was recently. I'd give you, the, in the note, it says I'd give you the police report, but... I fear that would arouse suspicion, so I've just included the reporting on it when it happened. Let me share that with you guys. As they were probably found dead, their boss took out the fact that they couldn't get rid of you on them. Yeah, bootleggers. Oh. So the uh, this is from the, the Harvard newspaper, the Harvard Crimson, 
April 6, 1921. Headline, Bootleggers at McKean Gate. Two men were arrested today with two large barrels of beer. Gwyn Doyle and Sweeney Byrne were apprehended at the McKean Gate by police. The arresting officer stated that the two men claimed to not know that alcohol was illegal. It would not say where they were taking it. Students of Harvard know the likely destination for the Giggle Water was the final club Porcelain due to the club's proximity to the gate and their troublesome reputation. Gwyn Doyle and Sweeney Byrne both have a criminal history, including theft and assault, and are thought to have an association with Francis Sweetheart Walsh, mm -hmm. the notorious gangster of Charlestown. Both men posted bail shortly after their arrest. Well, problem solved. That's why I'm the guy for the job. <laughs> uh, on seeing their images and the names, if you had had either one, you would have uh, known them, Mr. Whitmire. From yeah, is it's. I also know that if we're dealing with Walsh, it's probably time to get out of here. Yeah, so you know that, as Doctor Andrews has already experienced, that Quinn he's got the motor mouth, while Sweeney backs that up with a pair of brass knuckles, and they're pretty loyal to Francis Walsh, number one and number two guys. Yeah, and, and what they, uh, your little conversation on the train, that was them asking nicely. That's, I don't think you want to see them ask the other way, because you can't be running around exposed like you are all the time. Stick with me. I'll show you the ins and outs of getting around uh, the the underworld around here. So you hear um Do I <laughs> gain a follower now? <laughs> Dr. Andrews? Um, anyhow, you, um, you guys. So these sorry, these are the guys that accosted that talked to me on the trolley. Yes. Okay. okay. So you hear um some laughter in the lounge area, and you recognize that, and some talking. You recognize James Clark is actually here. Oh, okay. So yeah, I'll just head over to him immediately with these the signed papers. Yeah. So he's um. In conversation with a, another fella at that table there. Looks like that. And they're, oh, he's evil. <laughs> <laughs> and they're laughing and chatting with each other. And he, he uh, his eyes light with recognition when you get, he sees you guys approach the table. And he's like, stands up and he's like, ah, Dr. Andrews, Mr. Whitmire, how are you? Uh, quite, quite well, uh, thank you. I'm not sure if you got the message that we left with your... Good secretary but we have these forms signed for you oh good uh that takes care of it and the 30 dollar retainer fee of course yeah i can take care of that uh this is i don't believe you guys have met him yet this is no redding he's uh a parapsychologist a, a bit of wackadoo uh academia i suppose but he says that playfully and no offers his hands to each of you guys. And uh, the, sen the, the sense that uh, Mr. Monroe or Justin got upon looking at his picture is a fair approximation of a first, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? First impression of the man. Well, yeah, because he also has a necklace with that has some sort of symbol that has the smack of occultism to it. Oh, snap. Point at it and shout, you're an occult. Aren't you? Uh, no. <laughs> and I'm not a wackadoo <laughs> uh, practitioner. Uh, a parapsychology is just the cutting edge. It's the heterodox of 
psychoanalysis. So not understanding <laughs> what he's talking about, I'll ask him, well, what do you think I'm going to say next then? Nothing. What was that guy's name again? <laughs> uh, no Redding. <laughs> N-O-E and I'll, the last uh, name Redding. I'll, I'll grunt and nod my head. <laughs> he is a psychic. <laughs> Seems like he knows his field pretty well. In all seriousness, parapsychology is the study of mental phenomena that are outside of orthodox science. So things such as telepathy, hypnotism, and so on. I could hypnotize you if you'd like a I demonstration. Was say ghosts. Yeah. Yes. Right now. Please. <laughs> okay. I'll move it's like, we'll have a seat. Well, perhaps we should retire to the bar where it's a, a little more quiet, less distractions. Uh yeah. And uh James Clark is he seems entertained by this and he's like, I think I'd like to see how this goes. Yeah, I guess I'll tell you. And you guys <laughs> you guys proceed to the lounge. So this order member no Redding leads all of you into the bar at the lounge and he instructs you to have a seat in one of the chairs, not like the bar stools, but one of the ones you can sit down and relax in, and he drags one up across from you and he explains that this process isn't going to work unless you want it to. So are you, you do? <laughs> okay. I do. All right. So I just want you to take in how calm it is <laughs> in here right now. We have the door closed. You can't hear anything. And what I want you to do next is just stare at this point. And he points his finger to the middle of his forehead in between his eyebrows. So just look right there. Keep looking at that. And then focus on your breathing. Breathe out for four seconds. Breathe in for the same amount of time. Okay, while you're doing that, I just want you to imagine that you're going down a stairwell. There's a flight of stairs, and you're walking down them slowly, descending, descending, and they hatch back. You have another flight, and you're going down and down and down. And his voice takes on this kind of a drone and you're looking at that point in his forehead while the rest of you who are spectating are up by the bar to give him a, a bit of space quietly watching. So, Mr. Whitmire, if you want to be hypnotized, then this is an opposed role. Well, actually, if you want... Can I not oppose Right, it, it just depends on... Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If he succeeds. So, um, if you're okay to let it happen, then we'll just count on his role. Yeah. All right, just looking at your power. Oh, you got a high power. Okay, let's see how he does. All right. So yeah, this this trance-like utterance and the, the focus on this odd point on his forehead and the hush within the lounge as the walls are thick, so any traffic or any sounds from out in the lounge area are, are just a dull hum. And you enter into a hypnotic state. And he pauses to lecture the rest of you guys. So as you can see, he is in a highly suggestive state right now. So, Mr. Monroe, did you mm -hmm. still, or sorry, Mr. Whitmire. Uh, Whitmire, did you steal money from your mother when you were a child? <laughs> yes. And what did you do with that money when you stole it? I bought uh, tobacco. Oh, that's not very nice, or that's, that's very naughty of you, Mr. Whitmire. What kind of tobacco did you buy? Uh, pipe tobacco. And where would you go to smoke your pipe? I don't smoke you a just, pipe. You just, what did you do? How did you smoke the pipe tobacco? I sold 
the tobacco in smaller piece portions for more money than it would cost for half a pouch of tobacco. Mr. Whitmire, I believe you will find in your jacket a pouch of tobacco. Am I uh, with it enough to reach into my jacket? Yeah, pocket? I mean, you could, uh, you're, he's suggesting there is one there, okay. and, and since so, yeah. you're in the hypnotic state, you believe that there is one there, whether or not there may be one there. All right, so yeah, I'll reach into my side pocket, like inside my uh, vest, and... Yeah, so you pull out a pouch of, of tobacco. Pull out whatever's there. Uh, but to the rest of them, it, you have nothing okay. in your hand. Ah, look at this, Mr. Whitmire. There are some gentlemen who are in need of tobacco. Why don't you demonstrate how you sold this to me? Okay. So, yeah, I'll uh, I'll get up and go over to where uh, Mr. Or Dr. Andrews and Mr. Clark are. And then, as I would use my fast talk skill <laughs> to try and depart with a little extra money. Because when you see, when you break up the actual pouch, I should be able to dole it out for... Uh, smaller portions, all you really need is a bowl, and it'll cost you less in the long run because you're not having to go buy a full pouch yourself. Uh, well, I guess James Clark with us. Sorry, go ahead, Dr. Yeah, Andrew. I'll, I'll um, say thank you for the tobacco. Here is your payment, but I won't give him any money. Yeah, James Clark, uh, <laughs> he laughs. All right, I'm sold, and he does the same sort of thing. and And then he claps at the end as though applauding the demonstration, and that kind of snaps you out of it. So you only have a vague memory of getting up out of the chair. It's kind of like when you drive to a place and you don't quite remember how you got there, but then if you give it some time and you think about it, you'll be like, okay, I understood what happened. So there's no memory loss associated to you, but it is a very odd feeling to have experienced now, and no redding looks even more evil. Yeah, I'll... Uh... I'll thank him for the demonstration. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. See? Not wackadoo. What do you think, Dr. Andrews? Uh, that was a very entertaining demonstration. And Mr. Clark's like, well, these men are actually here on business, Mr. Redding, so I should probably attend to that. Uh, entertaining, as always. And no gets off to go wherever he does. And so you're left there with uh, Mr. Clark, and he has your papers. So he says, the way this is going to work is the first thing I'm going to do is, is go file a discovery on the evidence that the prosecution's going to bring. And sometimes that can be pretty quick. Sometimes it can take a few days. But as you guys are the investigators here, if you're interested in looking at that evidence, I'll have to hire you on as private investigators working for Antonello and Clark, if that's an acceptable arrangement. That would probably be for the best. Well, they're they're also planning on starting shock treatment on him, which we probably want to stop yes. as well. And his uh, uh, the doctor there, Doctor Powell, uh, as we left, he offered. He asked me to tell you that he offers his services as an expert witness in Charlie's defense. So he's sympathetic to us, but we should probably work quickly to get these shock treatments stopped. Maybe even see if we can have him moved to somewhere else. So th this is when I'll bro broach the uh, subject that I I have a judge, or I may have a judge, or know a judge that would 
be very agreeable to stopping the shock treatments. As if you could file the necessary paperwork, Mr. Clark. Okay, so in order, um, yes, I think, I'm not sure the particulars, when you're being held awaiting trial, it is a little bit of a gray area, uh, what we can stop, but I will look into it. Um, Dr. Andrews, that's good to hear that Dr. Powell will be an expert witness. I also wanted you to act as an expert witness, uh, given your medical opinion of how the autopsy or the coroner's report turned out. Would you be willing to testify under oath? Absolutely. Good. And what was your judge friend's name? Uh, that is, well, I got to bring up my journal here. Well, he had a drink. Yeah. Um, Hugh Holland. Uh, James Clark laughs at that and he's like, oh, Holland, he's, uh, he's a member of the order. Yeah. Oh, perfect. That'll make this even easier and I'll like pop my <laughs> knuckles. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> okay. Just so just so you know what I'm doing. First, I'm going to go file that discovery. Then we'll see if we can get a stay on the electroshock shock therapy. And I'll let you guys know as soon as I know something. So I better head back to the office and get back to it. Sounds like a great plan. Thanks for this opportunity, Mr. Clark. I know as investigators, we will not let you down. With my Aaron Andrews, P.I. All right, we'll leave off there and head back yeah. over to the Arkham crew. Professor Mueller and Mr. Monroe as they head out to eat. Professor Mueller, you know of, uh, if you want to stay in your neighborhood, there is an Italian restaurant called Anton's Restaurant that is actually the best Italian food you've had in Arkham, maybe in Massachusetts, a modest, clean place, and supper can be had for less than a dollar. Or alternatively, if you'd like to get out of your neighborhood, you can go on elsewhere. I think I, I'm uh, oh. good for Italian. And as we were getting ready to leave, I was going to ask him where the dagger was and if it's secure. I guess my eyes will narrow at Monroe at that one. It is secure. Okay, I want to make sure that it doesn't... Should we take it with us just to ensure that nobody can take it? That's exactly where you want to take a dagger that is capable of possessing people. (laughs) Well... It It is safe. It's in the basement. It's in the basement? Yes. Is there any chance of some unlucky fool follow, coming across it and there losing themselves? Monroe, and it is a chance that I am willing to take. The dagger will remain here, and it will be safe. Okay. Now, oh, come on. But when we when we come back, we should probably move it from the basement to someplace a little less likely to have random passerbys. I, uh, I, I agree with that. Yes, 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 we could probably find some other place. So Anton's, you know, turns out to be a nice family restaurant with real Italian immigrants cooking their best recipes. And you guys are settled in there and you get your food and there you are. Um, one of the things that I would like to talk to him about is the book that he had he had found. It was a book? Yes, you mentioned that, that you had found a book and that reading it had kind of led you into uh, a, a blacked out state. Mm. Uh, was this about the one in the stacks? Um, the... No, the one that you you mentioned that you had uh, recovered a book and uh, read it. I believe you you mentioned that you had read it at the uh, the boarding house before you had 
had uh, lost another section of time. I don't believe that I read any books at the boarding house. Mm. It's hard to recall the trauma from the dream. I don't even quite know what was real or what isn't, even to this point right now. (laughs) Well, as I'm sure that any illusion would tell you, I am real, and this is real right now. Oh, I'm quite sure it all feels very real, but so was my lawyer (laughs) that showed me his lawyer badge before requesting that I have uh, trepanning done to my (laughs) skull (laughs) while I was in the asylum. I'm sorry, what? I I don't remember you speaking about being in an asylum. As far as I know, I never have been, but it sure felt real. <laughs> Perhaps you could tell me about these things that w- seemed real but weren't. Well, it was uh, just a whole jumble of incidences. I I woke, well, no, I came home to discover that uh, a dear friend of mine, uh, Herr Kimball, had decided to pay me a visit, and that sent me off my rocker. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, I'm in the paddy wagon, uh, off to the uh, asylum, and no one can see Herr Kimball, of course, because he most likely was not there. Hmm. But anyways, and the delusion continues, and eventually I wake up in my chair, because where else would I have been? Interesting, interesting. And when did all of this this begin? It Was it... At the same time, like directly after? That would have been, ah, it would have been sometime after I awoke (laughs) Ah, near the banks of the Miskatonic, disheveled and cold, the bottom of my pant leg still wet. From the river, I hope. When you get to my age, one can never quite tell. I'll kind of laugh at that. I'll say, you've you've had yourself quite an adventure in the (laughs) day and a half since I parted ways. I did, and I lost my favorite pipe. Well, that's not good. No, when I came upon the the crash site, ah, there was a crowd and I was unable to retrieve it from the passenger seat. Ah, that's probably not a good thing for them to find either. Do you believe that you'll be able to get this young boy free of his uh, charges? Well, all evidence that we've seen seems to point that he was set up to take the fall for someone else. Obviously. Um, But... Depending on how good the lawyers that we found and how cooperative the judges are, it's possible. Well, that is good, because the next, well, yes, that is good. I hope that the young boy comes to no harm. It obviously could not have been done by a human, but that therein lies the problem. Hmm. Yes. You know, Although the things I, that we saw in the dream do point to the fact that something may be buried out there that something ancient and the carvings that that you got of the frog are the same as the carvings that i've found in several locations mm. uh, one of them being with Orin vietti well the consortium is are not to be trifled with they didn't have any love for the church of contemplation to say the least and i You've... wonder how much of a hand they played in that destruction you mentioned the consortium uh, a few times. Who are they? Uh, I do not know, and if I am to be honest, most of my information comes from a hallucination of a ghoul. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but, uh, 
eh, I feel that this is correct information. Some part of me, perhaps. Uh, let's see if I can recollect. Uh, they they were shipped, uh, was it to Zogua? Zogua, uh, yes. Uh, long ago. Uh, but they, they blasphemed, I believe. All of my information is rather sketchy. Passing notes here or there. Well, I believe that that dream that we had was about an ancient civilization that also worshipped Zagua. Very, very well could be. I mean, the the images in the dreams, they all came after uh, having some sort of contact, at least in my case, with a consortium. Uh, oh, dang, what's the word? Uh, no, I can't remember. But yeah, with a member of the consortium. Do you, do you have any way of contacting this consortium? Apparently, all I need to do is get on a train hmm. or be alone in a bunch of books. He seems to have no problem finding me. And the next time I see him, I will shoot him. Or worse. That would be a shame. They seem to know quite a bit about not only the Church of Contemplation, but many other things that I would love to have information on as well. It doesn't matter what they know. You can't get a straight answer out of them. And then the next thing you know, you're plucking the hair out of some poor woman and eating it. Oh. I'm sorry, what? Hmm? <laughs> you... you, you, you I imagine you saying that while, like, cutting a steak up or something and then just, uh, huh? <laughs> You've mentioned several things that, that uh, concern me, uh, Mr. Mueller. Uh, perhaps this should be, uh, you should take a, a lighter role in our investigation from here on out. Oh, trust me. I attempted to, when I got on the train, to go look into more library uh, stacks stacks and stacks of books for you lot and instead I am accosted and have the whammy put on me as the dungeon or the keeper likes to uh, say <laughs> he has some sort of personal vendetta <laughs> well are you going to finish that <laughs> yes yes um perhaps after I get done with my uh work at Miskatonic University tomorrow we can head back to Boston and discuss with the others some of the things that have happened. Ah, yes, that sounds good. That sounds very good. Uh, I would need a good night's sleep, of course. By any chance, do you know of a, a boarding house nearby that I might be able to stay in? Uh, yes, I'm sure that we can uh, find one for you real quick. Okay. Uh, what would I roll for that, Travis? Uh, no roll necessary. No you roll. can give him one in the the area that you you live. Okay, yeah, without... I'll pull, uh, pull out a fountain pen and... Uh, uh, right on a napkin. Okay. But yeah, he gives you that address in in the in that part that district that he lives. And uh, the mills winding down. Your drinks are being refreshed again, so that all you guys have left to do is finish those up. But uh, was there anything action wise you guys wanted to take, or goal wise you wanted to take with the rest of the day? I think my goals are mostly fried, so it's all up to uh, Monroe on that. I did want to, you know, talk to him about any books that he may have had at his house that weren't there before. Okay. I'll go through some of the, the books that he had, because they definitely would have been of interest to, to Monroe. Well, um, what was his name? A young man for whom worked for Herr Merdiweather uh, came by. Thaddeus Grunwald. Uh, Grunwald, I believe. 
Uh, among mm-hmm. Zodaga, he brought several other personal effects of Herakobit, if those could be of interest to you. Yes, if I have a chance to look through some of those, I would be grateful. Mm. Uh, Mr. Monroe, you know him to be the secretary at the SEU. Okay. All right, so let's pause with you guys and bounce back over to Andrews and Mr. Whitmire uh, in the Lodge Hall bar. Uh, what are you guys going to get up to next? Hey, um, so what I want to do next, since we're at the Lodge, is go to the library and see if I can research that word that Charlie wrote in gravy on the diary. What was that word again? Latakia? You're not sure on the pronunciation, but that's what that's how it reads to you anyway. What's the spelling? Uh, you could actually, if you can succeed at an extreme education role, it might you might actually know how do you spell what it, it might mean. Yeah, Me go too. ahead. I failed. Yeah, so you're you're uncertain. You guys discuss it for a moment and decide to head up to the library, or at least Dr. Andrews does. Are you going with him, Mr. Whitmire? Uh, yeah, I, I don't really have anything else that I need to be doing and don't want to be caught outside alone. So, I'll go. All right. So, give me a use library role. Library use? Should I push it with the consequence be that I set the <laughs> library on fire? Let's both push it. Push it. <laughs> well, let's get the justifications if that's yeah. what we're trying for. Well, you, oh, because I get frustrated and burn that mother Does effort down. Does this place down? have a, like somebody who's in charge of the library? Like a librarian of any sort? No, it doesn't have a librarian. There is a a list of what's in the collection, uh, which when you look at it, it's it's predominantly philosophical, scientific, and occult writings. So it may just be that the term you're trying to look for doesn't belong to any of those categories. All right. Wait, did did? Oh, well, I never it? got the justification. What are what are you doing different? Like what? Let's, oh, because. Uh, Oh, I'm remembering back to my school days when I used to have to search research oh, okay. a subject. Hang on. And if I don't make it or didn't make it, then the consequence was be I'd burn the library down like when I went to school. Yeah, let's not burn the library. <laughs> well, I made it, so I got a 24 out of 30. Okay. So, yeah, you... uh just happened to be perusing through a book by a philosopher called John of Damascus. And just by a, a little luck, you come across that term, Latakia, Latakia, however it might be pronounced. And within the context it's referenced, it appears to be a port city in Syria. Hmm. Looks like all... Uh... <laughs> I'll clap Dr. Andrews on the shoulder and say, well, friend, looks like we're going to Syria. And then snap the book closed in front of us. And it, <laughs> How do you react to this? Yeah, so let me see that book. Okay, I'll hand it to him. And, and what does it say, Keeper? So it's uh, a philosopher named John of Damascus, who was a Christian monk, priest, hymnographer, and apologist for Christianity. It's just sort of an autobiography of his life. So the context in which Lataki uh, mentioned is just in his travels through Syria. Is like a, a city in there in Syria or something? Right, a port city. Okay. So 
Shall we gather yeah, the other? Uh, it's a bit early to be traipsing off to Syria. It's quite a ways away. We should do some more research. But thanks to you, uh, now we know how to narrow down the field. So um, now we could start with simply a study of Syria, specifically port city of importance to us is Sataki. I was really hoping this was our shot to get out of town. <laughs> well, I don't think you understand the type of people that are after <laughs> us. We have a lot to do here still. So. <laughs> At any rate, my friend but, said he would need a couple of days with that microscope. So unless you can think of anything important we need to do between now and then. Mm, no, this was the same friend that was going to help us with that uh, well, drawing, right? Or he'd yeah, have somebody that, that could he help us with the drawing. Probably lead us to someone who might be able to help us with the drawing. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, that's that's really all I've got. Unless you want to go and crash whatever Monroe and well, I don't know where Mueller's yeah, at, but Monroe is doing. Back? We can go. Um. Well, this hasn't even been a. Full yeah, he's day only been yet, gone right? since this morning. Mister Mueller has been gone since the morning before. Yeah, so Mueller's been gone for a while, but was, well, I are we meeting up with Did Monroe you guys make tonight? such arrangements? I believe I had just said no. that I was going to go look for Mr. Yeah. Mueller and that I would contact them. Yeah, he did. We didn't make a plan, so I don't have so I don't have anything to do except for try to research Latakia and Okay. So that's what I'll be working. As I would like to try and make a get a forgery of this locket. All right, I believe you had instructions to leave it in a, a deposit it at a bank. Yeah, as if I can get a good enough forgery of it, then I will. All right, so um, you think you might be able to? Well, you're done as far as this library goes. If you got if you went on Doctor Andrews to a bigger library, you might have a chance of understanding more about. Latakia or Latakia. Yeah. Well, what time is it right now? So you guys, it would be coming up on lunchtime for you guys. Yeah. So let's go get something to eat. And then um, afterwards. Or it's, I suppose it's after actually. It's just like a a couple hours after. You still can. You guys drove straight back from the, you probably skipped lunch (laughs) unless you ate in the car ride. No. Let's go have a late lunch. I'd be up for lunch. um, I'll head to the. Boston Public Library, and you can be about your business. We'll go have lunch at O'Flanagan's. O'Lafferty's. Yeah. O'Flanagan's. O'Lafferty's. Okay. Yeah. All right. And Mr. Monroe, since you said you are going to send a message, does that become a point of priority for you? Uh, it was going to be something that I would do uh, after dinner, but yeah. Okay. All right. So let's see. Dr. Andrews at the Boston Public Library again. Uh, you can feel the frustration you felt the day before when you came here and you failed your, or fumbled your used library roles, in fact, or one of them. Um, and you know that's not your strong suit, but you could, of course, approach a librarian and try to get them to do the heavy lifting for you. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Okay, so we'll we'll leave it to one of your social skills. <laughs> intimidate no we'll just try persuade i have success i am a success okay so you (laughs) that's what he told himself every year of medical school when he passed (laughs) he would say that 
So remember that when you're giving him his results. <laughs> so prefacing the uh, <laughs> the request to the librarian, Dr. Andrew strolls up and says, I am a success. Therefore, you need to ensure that I continue to be a success. And his persuade role goes off and the librarian goes off to see what he can find. And he comes up, he comes back, you know, maybe 30 minutes later. And he says, well, you're right, uh, Latakia is a port city in Syria, but it is also a term that tobacconists use to refer to the mixes of certain toba- tobaccos, predominantly pipe tobaccos. Hmm. So it would be in the category of, say, like Virginian or Burley, or so on and so forth. Does that make sense? Does that help? Oh, it helps me so much more than you could ever imagine. <laughs> Oh, really? I'm intrigued by the tone in which you said that. What do you mean? What do you, what's the nature of your research? I will return and explain all to you in due time. <laughs> and then I'll run out of there. <laughs> okay. And where, where do you run to? Well, I got to try to catch up with um, Whitmire. Because we, well, we ate lunch and then I came here, right? Yeah. So I need to yeah. go to where Whitmire said he was going. Because uh, <laughs> I know he broke into Dooley's tobacco, or, uh, yeah, tobacco shop. Yes. So I need him to take me back there. Because maybe Charlie was telling us that he's hidden something there with that particular type of tobacco. But also, now, didn't we have a note that Charlie wrote, um, Charlie's customer notes... Did he put Latakia in that note somewhere? Uh, no. no. In fact, part of the information you got as he was trying to distinguish what this was is that this wouldn't be like a brand of pipe tobacco. It would be the composition of the tobacco in it. So, you know, like if you were to get Dunhill, it would be a certain percentage of these varying types of tobaccos. And he was like, for example, Virginian, Burley, Latakia to varying percentages. So Latakia would be like the, if it was grown in a certain area, or it's just a certain well, strain of tobacco? Your voice changed just now, Dr. Andrews, but I would say what you would need <laughs> to answer that question is a tobacconist. Yes. Um, so forget all I said about chasing down, what's his name? Mr. Whitmire. Yeah, because I, I understood what he was saying incorrectly, so... Um, but the answer's got to be close to there. So I guess next step, since the only tobacconist I know is already dead, is like, a, I don't know, a directory, phone book, whatever they call them. Let's see if I can find another one nearby that I can speak with. Put out a help, help wanted ad, tobacconist wanted, for research into the paranormal. I think that would take longer. Like, I'll ask the librarian where I would <laughs> find such a person. Well, we do have a directory here of the tobacconists in Boston, at least those that are listed. Um, I'm not a smoker myself, so I couldn't point you to one, but you're free to take a look. It's They're usually pinned up right there when you enter the library. Okay. Yeah, I'll go check those out. Yeah, they have these little uh, like wooden booths with dividers in them where these directories are, and you walk up into one, and you can start moving your finger down looking for tobacconists. And you find uh, a place called Clayton's that seems to be pretty close to where you are now. Okay. 
All right, so that'll be my next stop then. Just so I remember it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll pop in with Mueller and Monroe one more time before we leave off for the night. Uh, you were interested in looking at the orbit journals. Is that right, Monroe? Mm-hmm. Well, I thought that there was more than just the Corbett Journal. I thought there was uh, a tome of some sort. Well, there is and, the De Vermis Mysterious, but I believe in a meta sense, um, Johan hasn't mentioned all that he knows of it, and he put it amidst a stack of books to uh, to hide that it's actually there. So I'm not I'm not entirely sure if you know he has it. I didn't hear that in any of the conversation. Anyways, okay, could be mistaken. Yeah. And I believe I was already insane when I was going to send off the second telegram. <laughs> so it might okay. have happened in a delusion. Okay. Um, well, then we'll just go over and maybe luck will allow me to find it. What? Sorry, what specifically are you looking for? Uh, just going over the stuff of Corbett's that came along with the dagger. Gotcha. Well, as you peruse them again, I can highlight a few things. For you. Okay. Let me pull those up. Yeah, I'll make a spot on my desk where he can uh, sit down and peruse them while I smoke my pipe and, I don't know, stare at the wall. And I will ask if we can stop by a, a telegraph office so I can sell a send a telegram to uh, Mr. Andrews and Mr. Whitmire to let them know that Johan is, for all intents and purposes, safe. Air and so am I. <laughs> You yeah. didn't add sound at the end of that. Well, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, Orbit's journals, um, they begin in the early 1800s, running to his death in the 1860s. And of interest, he begins talking about a tome that he found while he was digging, as he writes, up ye subjects, but he doesn't elaborate um, but he says that the text promises a studious practitioner the opportunity con to converse with the most powerful and wise being, not of this world. And taken with Oren B. Eddy's um, words that he spoke, you would assume this is Zagua, and the tome is the, li the Liber Ivanus. Okay. And then he spends some time apparently learning, deciphering the script, and he learns how to call upon being. That he calls the dark man. Uh, the, the ritual describes the blood of three willing individuals spilled by a blade, and he says he's not he's not as of yet unable to remove the stain of our shared sacrifice. And you know that Corbett's blade has a rusted appearance on it. Perhaps that is blood somehow after all these years. Okay. Mm uh, he begins to describe how his colleagues see him as a prophet, although you do have in the back of your head that. Warren B. Eddy's journals described Orbit as a man who liked to lie and put himself at the center of things. All right. Uh, he describes how the Lord Granter of Secrets has revealed the process to become a pure spirit, seemingly through... Or, but this is kind of at odds with what Warren B. Eddy says, because Warren claims that this process came from uh, Egyptian funerary uh, notes said to belong to Nephron Ka. Yeah. But... You know, there's always the possibility that Corbett played them off as that. Right. But I guess that those are the kinds of things that we've got to discover. He does name a member in 1847 of the Chapel of Contemplation 
as a Boston councilman, Daniel Ellsworth, head of the city council. And that kind of goes in line with what Oren had said about attracting powerful and wealthy individuals in Boston. Okay. He describes the process to, to manifest a dark hunter using a dagger, the same dagger that he contacted, he who waits in the dark, or maybe that, that's not the term, um, our Lord Grantor of Secrets. He uses the same dagger to summon a separate entity he calls the Dark Hunter by drawing a diamond in the sky and reciting Evocant Venatora, and he said he'd copy those into the notes on how to summon the foul creature, which is included with these journals. He also describes uh, another power called Rigor Vitae, which appears a, a method to keep flesh from wearing through the vigors of mortal time. He suspects it could also be used in the event that peril may strike to guard against it, although any description of that ability is not within the journals. Okay. Um, I'll ask Mueller if, if he minds if I, I take these back with me and uh, look into them a little bit deeper. A small twitch will begin to happen under one of Mueller's <laughs> eyes. <laughs> ah, please, Herr Monroe, take some with you, but uh, be careful. Oh, most certainly. There seems to be quite a bit of information in here that is uh, unique, mm, but I will yeah. bring them back on the morrow. Yeah, fu the you. final entry to highlight is the May 19th, 1866 one, where he um, says that he has forced the follower to obey thy master's will, which is all caps for some reason. And he describes after only four stern commands, he was able to turn the false minister Michael Thomas to his cause. And that would sum it up. So sorry to interrupt you there, Johan. Mm. No, I was uh, basically just uh, agreeing that Monroe could take the uh, text if he would return. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, with that, uh, I'll uh, kind of pack those up and head to the to the boarding house. <clears throat> uh, okay. Have a good night. <laughs> so with a, a few new threads to follow and some plots up in the air, we will have to close today's session there. <laughs> Uh, thanks for playing, guys. I appreciate it, as always. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank yeah, you. Thank yeah, you. that was fun. Uh, it's good thanks, Travis. To see the dagger, Justin. Now yeah. I, um... <laughs> Stab. <laughs> oh, no, it's down in the basement. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. Thank <music> you.